This podcast is supported by the Global Learning Forum at Western Kentucky University. Although we attend the university, the views expressed in this podcast are ours alone. Get it? Got it. Good. Enjoy the show. Hey there, I'm Tani. And I'm Joey, and we are Diasporic. Diasporic, a podcast centered around the reality of life as members of a diaspora. Each month, we'll take a deep dive into the social, cultural, and political phenomenon that have collectively shaped our communities. And in today's episode, we're talking identity. In other words, who you are, what determines your answer, and what is behind that answer. Perfect. Well, hello, Tani. How are you? It's our first episode of Diasporic. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in wherever you are. I'm so excited. I'm also equally excited. <laughs> um, so today we're talking about identity. Yeah. So you're Tani. Yeah. I'm Joey. Yeah. We're both students of Western Kentucky University. We're both diasporic. We're both diasporic. Yeah. Um, but more than that, um, you know. We're members of our own community. Members of our own community. Yeah. Um, oh, and everyone listening, we don't have the the uh, visuals yet. Yeah. Um, but we plan to make this um, also um, recorded uh, like visually. visually so, so you can see our beautiful faces uh, yeah well okay um <laughs> so stay tuned for um this on youtube as well mm-hmm. but that's in the in the making and, and we'll update everyone as that comes along into fruition um so tonly <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone it's been a long very long day <laughs> hello i'm jolie <laughs> um Go ahead, Joey. Yeah, so Tani, personally, who do you say you are? Personally, I would define myself as a woman of color, broadly. Um, but specifically, I would say that I am an African, uh, an African-American, a black American. Um, I would say all those things because my mother was born in Nigeria. She Dr. Uh, Washington. Dr. Washington, um, who is most likely listening to this podcast right now. Wow. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you, Dr. Washington. <laughs> but she was born in Anambra State, um, Nigeria. Um, and so she's African. My father was born in the US, so he mm-hmm. is a black American. Um, and I think together those intersections make me an African hyphen American. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's super fascinating. We'll unpack those yeah um terms but speaking of terms mm-hmm. if you haven't checked out our teaser yeah um you can find that on um, our instagram page wk global's instagram page yep. um and i'm sure other places as well yeah but we impact go ahead tani no, sorry yeah it tells us all tells you guys all about you know the terms we're going to be using throughout the show and defines them so that you know we can just talk from the get-go and and keep going yeah so if you're kind of new to um, what is a diaspora? Who are the diasporic peoples? And conversations about academic terms that seem way too lofty. academic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, so yeah, be sure to give that a a quick gander. Yeah. Um, so it's only like a couple of minutes. Yeah, so, not yeah. too long. Yeah, just a quick, easy. You know, Scythe through it. Yeah, absolutely. A cute watch. A quick, cute, <laughs> cute watch. Cute watch. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Those that tells a little bit about who I am, mm-hmm. Joey. Tani. How do you describe yourself? I would describe myself as um, a cis male mm-hmm. um, who is white mm-hmm. um, and Jewish. Mm-hmm. I'm a Jewish American. Mm-hmm. I'm Ashkenazi. 
Meaning? Um, that is a reference to a specific Jewish diaspora. Mm -hmm. There's Sephardic Jews, Ashkenazi, Mizrahi, and a, a ton more. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and we kind of talk about that actually in the teaser a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty much Ashkenazi Jews are Jews that, you know, my ancestors came um, into Europe, mostly Europe, uh, after the Romans um, burned down the Second Temple in Jerusalem. Mm. So, anyways. Interesting historical fact. Interesting uh, historical factoid. I, I don't think factoid. a lot of people know what that means. What? That the, the burning down of the Second Temple. Yeah, well, it was much more than that, right? So there was a whole Roman genocide of, of Jews. There's like a million Jews, something like that. Mm. Um, the enslaved Jews, um, Ashkenazi Jews built, um, or I guess what would be Ashkenazi Jews built, the Colosseum in Rome. Mm. Mm. Um so, shout out to them. <laughs> and um, then what happened? As far as Romans? Yeah. Uh, there was a whole Jewish-Roman uh, war revolt. Mm -hmm. um, people like Josephus emerged from that. He's a mm -hmm. mathematician and writer. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, that's whole kind of history. But that created the diaspora. Of one, of, one of the diasporas. Yeah, yeah. So there's multiple Jewish diasporas. But that created the Ashkenazi Jewish yes. diaspora. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and most Jews you see in America... Mm -hmm. Uh, are Ashkenazi, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that's totally different from the from the global community. For sure. Um, that's so, interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's that's who I'd say I am. Mm -hmm. um, you can call me Joey. Mm -hmm. uh, many people know me as Joey. Mm -hmm. Professors Joseph. Yeah. Um, family Joe. Yeah. Yes, names are a big part of who we are, um, yeah. and so people often try to take away. Um, people's names and, and mm -hmm. try to change them, morph them so it's easier mm -hmm. or um, can fit their scope. Um, of understanding, yeah. Right. But, um, but names are a huge part of who you are. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, my name, my first name, Tani, um, is Ebo, and it means something to the effect of born on a Thursday. Oh, okay. Um, and then my middle name, <clears throat> which is Chinon Yerem, is also Ibo, meaning God was with us, uh, or God is with us. So, yeah, that's something about us. Um, and in reference to our communities, uh, just in general, names are important. Yeah. 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 But broadly speaking, yes, broadly in terms speaking. of our identity. Right. You are a Jewish American. I'm a Jewish American. I'm, you are a Nigerian American. Absolutely. But in our communities, specifically in the U.S., right. there's a lot of conversation about who gets to be what. Right. Yeah. Right. So unpack that a little bit for me, Joey. What, what does that mean for you? Like, yeah. Who gets so, to be what? Tani, I'm sure you've seen it. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. um, we see it coming. <laughs> um you know, it's easy to spot, uh -huh. um, hard to figure out. Uh-oh. So, you know, Susie will bring up to you. Not Susie. All right, maybe uh, Todd. Who, <laughs> okay. Yeah? Uh-huh. Jim? All right. Who do you want to... Let's go with Todd. No offense to anyone out there. Named, <laughs> I don't know anybody named Todd, Susie. Todd, Jim, or Susie, but... Or Todd, or Jim. I don't think I know anybody of those names. <laughs> I don't know um, But anyways, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we've seen the paper. We've seen the 2%, the 1%, yeah. the one twelfth, the whatever fraction they pull out. The 23 and me. The, some faction that I didn't know was a, fact, a fraction. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, 
Uh, but yeah, they're like, I'm 1% Ashkenazi. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Mm. A number does not make you anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Especially I... Especially a fraction of a percentage. Yeah. If it's not... A, if we're not talking whole numbers here... <laughs> You know, I'm not sure, <laughs> right? What's if if we're not talking money? I don't want to talk. Yeah, yeah, if we're yeah. not talking whole numbers, I don't want. No, um, no. Seriously though, mm-hmm. um, I think it's all based on com- uh, like experience and being a part of a community. Mm. And so, you know, there are Jews out there who um, aren't ethnically Jewish. Mm-hmm. They're converts because it's an ethno religion. Yeah. And so those people are equally as Jewish as as me. Yeah. Um, and to people who are not religious, who are ethnically Jewish. Mm-hmm. So um, there's no, like, catch-all about who's Jewish and who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a nuanced conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, I think it's based on experience and, and, and how you're raised through traditions and, mm-hmm. and holidays and mm-hmm. whether you went to the temple and all, all these things mm-hmm. uh, sum up to, you know, would you identify as Jewish, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it, it does not matter about ancestry or if you're a convert or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into things like intergenerational trauma yeah. and epigenetics in later episodes. Yeah. And that there is a difference between ethnic Jews and and religious, religious converts because something like intergenerational trauma is experienced through your DNA. Yeah. So converts wouldn't that wouldn't apply. Right. But I think that's how I would explain that in the Jewish community. But Tani, Mm -hmm. how would you explain that um, in the black community in America? Yeah, I would say for the black community in America, again, it's it's a very experiential thing. Um, I think that, again, with the whole, we joke about the 23andMe thing, like the Mm -hmm. the, I'm 0.02% black or whatever. But, you know, there really is something to say about experience when it comes to the black, being black in America. Mm there's a whole conversation about skin color and skin tone um, being if you're lighter skin, then you have more or you have less of a black experience than someone who's darker skin. Right. But again, racial politics affects every black person in the U.S. And so to say that somebody is less black because they are, you know, they have been positioned in a, in a hierarchical sense above other black people, mm-hmm. um, it, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um and so, like you said, if, if your lived experience in the U.S. is tied to the way that you look and tied to your skin color, you're black. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, if the way that you've lived your life in this country has to do with you being black, you're part of the black community. I mean, that's just point blank. Um, but for the African community, specifically the West African community, I think it really is centered on ancestry. Because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's it. That's all you can right. really say so a lot of the times it's is your mother from this country is your father from this country or do you speak this language can you make this food can you can you speak the language or whatever um so it's when it comes to who gets to be african it's very much tied to ancestry ethnicity and culture um whereas i think being black in america it's very much tied to experience and culture right 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 yeah um, and then you get into conversations about kind of in that experience, mm-hmm. things like colorism. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So can you talk a little bit about what color, colorism is and, and how that kind of plays out? Yeah, so colorism is um, discrimination based on skin tone. 
So this is not racism because racism is based on uh, skin color, right? Um, but skin tone, so lightness and darkness, right? Um, and you know we've had this conversation before about how binary race is in the in this country and right. how um, the concept of race is a very unique experience to the United States, mm-hmm. um, and the idea that blackness is so binary is kind of what builds the foundation of who gets to be black in this country. Because blackness was really never meant to be a spectrum. Mm -hmm. It was always meant to be, um, you are black or you are not black. Right. Um, And so with that came the experience of you face these specific hardships or you don't face these specific hardships. And that is the epicenter, I think, of what it means to be black in America, is facing those specific hardships. Yeah. Those binary on, consequences. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, the binary consequence of the spectrum, or right. lack of a spectrum. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, you know, how does a society go about determining, um, you know, who, who is black and who's not? You know, when we yeah. talk about institutionalized races in America yeah. and, and just white supremacy mm-hmm. um, in the world, mm-hmm. um, historically, well, I mean, how have, how, has, how have systems and people gone about that? About... About discriminating against um, black people based on race. Yeah, well, I think that that's, that gets into the conversation about race as a construct. Right. So we talk about white supremacy in an international sense, and white supremacy really created race as a construct. But it created it in a sense that it doesn't apply to universally to every culture. Mm-hmm. So race as a construct in the black community in the U.S. is completely different from the concept of race in an international sense regarding, like, ethnic peoples or, or you know, like a group of people who right. are not a specific skin color. Um, but I want to hear your, your ideas on, on race as a construct internationally because I know that there we've had conversations about, like, the difference between race being applied to skin color and race being applied to a people. Right, yeah. right. It's an interesting conversation when it applied to Jewish people mm-hmm. because it seems that Jewish people are always changing what the world perceives them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so at one point, you know, they're an entirely religious group and they're an ethnic group and then they're a race mm-hmm. and then they're nomadic peoples and, you know, it, it always changes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the oppression because of that has always changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always remained oppressive in nature but like a type of oppression right yeah. so that you'll hear like Jews say that a lot of anti-semitism is racism mm-hmm. um you know or, or you know maybe it's you know other things mm-hmm. but that's because the criticism of Jews and the hatred of Jews comes from an ideology that is racist mm-hmm. because they view Jews as a race okay so even though Jews are not a race mm-hmm. it's clear to say in the binary and it, in the sense. binary sense yeah and it's detrimental to view Jews as a race yeah um, you know, many people have done that, mm-hmm. and so the the discrimination that's come from that is racist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and so I think it's very, like I said, it's very detrimental to pretty much assume or imply that Jewish people are race. Why? Um, because there's so many Jews out there, and like, I mean, if you talk about the d- diversity within the Jewish community, mm-hmm. um, you know. Jews are not, they cannot be fit into, you know, white or black. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there are white Jews, yeah. right? I mean, you're looking at one, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but there are black Jews and, yeah. and there are, you know, Jews of, uh, of all skin tones. Yeah. Um, because there's Jews all around the world. Yeah. Um, from different cultures and, and, and that's just part about being the diasporic. diasporic. Yeah. Uh, 
and so you know you have Ethiopian Jews, Beta Israel, mm-hmm. who um, are you know discriminated against on a plethora of things, but not race, mm-hmm. right? I'm talking about in Ethiopia, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. against other Ethiopians. Yeah, yeah. And then you have you know maybe white Jews in America mm-hmm. who you know aren't discriminated against because they're white, mm-hmm. right? Um, but maybe targeted because they're from a certain ethnic background, yeah. right? Or a certain religious um, belief they hold. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's always changing, and Jews don't really fit into this binary concept of race, and yeah. it's really detrimental to impose that on Jews. For sure. And I think that that is the core of the problem, is that race is such a binary thing. Right. That it was never, like I said, it was never meant to encompass anything other than two endpoints. Right. Um and, and so for people in this country who've yeah. only known that binary concept, yeah, yeah. it's really hard as a member of the United States yeah. to then look at the you know the world yeah. and then impose actual things that are happening in the United States, real problems, yeah. um, real implications yeah. of our problems, yeah. and impose that on the world where maybe this binary lens of, of race doesn't, doesn't apply. Fit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, And we'll talk about that in, in, in later episodes as well. Yeah. But so getting back to the the construct here, because I think that there's a lot to to say about the history of the construct. Right. Um. And so, broadly speaking, mm-hmm. the construct of race was a tool of white supremacy. Right. Internationally speaking, um, race was was is a unique concept to the U.S., but it has you know international implications. Right. But um, for specifically black people in the U.S. Race as a construct came about specifically um, in the creation of the one drop rule. Um, and there is an amazing article that um, is by LitHub, and it talks about how the one drop rule became a tool of white supremacy and was built on white supremacy. Um, basically, the one drop rule was created um, during the time of enslavement and continued into Jim Crow uh, and even still has implications into modern day that describes the way that black people were labeled um, insofar as like if you if you can trace your lineage back to any point in time and find a black person in your lineage you have quote one drop of black blood in you therefore you are black Mm. and this trickle-down effect of blackness um, was created for the ease of subjugation. Right. It was created for no other reason than to make it easier for white supremacy to label somebody as fit for discrimination. Right. Um, And then subsequently, you know, fit other people as superior. Right, right, right. Because they didn't have that contamination of blackness in them. Right. Um, And that idea of blackness sort of it kind of became a thing that we understand today um, in terms of like labeling people of mixed heritage as black or white, right. deciding if they're black enough. Um, and the implica- it's just really interesting that the implications of something that was created during the transatlantic moment is still basically the way that we describe people in our community today. And I also think it's really interesting to point out how white supremacy works mm-hmm. and that it ignores every intersection. Yeah. At, at possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and when you talk about the one drop rule, mm-hmm. my mind goes to the Michelin test. Mm-hmm. Tanya, are you familiar with the Michelin I'm, test? I'm so not familiar with it. Okay. Tell well, me let me do a little, a little okay. crash course All here. All right now. So in Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. um, they had a test to, de- to determine who's Jewish or not. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Jews were labeled as a racial group um, they had different biological 
you know, determinations, mm -hmm. that they were more alien-like, mm -hmm. greedy, mm -hmm. um, all these different things that mm -hmm. were, you know, obviously inherently anti-Semitic. Right. And so the Michelin test was essentially this, right? You could be a goy, a non-Jewish person, mm -hmm. um, you know, living in Germany, and your father and mother are both non-Jewish, mm -hmm. um, and then three out of the, your four grandparents mm -hmm. are also not Jewish. Mm -hmm. But let's say my dad's dad is Jewish. That makes me Jewish. Hmm. And so now I'm able, you know, people are able to kill me, all, all these different things, mm -hmm. uh, just because I'm Jewish. Mm. And so it's just a way to have a closed circuit of power mm -hmm. around and, and kind of monopolize whiteness. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so obviously when we look back, you know, in the year 2021 mm -hmm. to a year like 1939, mm -hmm. something like that, where, you know, through a binary lens, you can see that these Jews are white, mm. right? But, you know, we go back in ancestry, right? Mm -hmm. Just like the one drop rule. We go, you know, if someone's white passing, mm -hmm. right, we can go all the way down, uh, you know, through the history books and find mm -hmm. a black person right, or a right. Jew right. and then say, sorry, you're not white enough. Exactly, exactly, right? yeah. And it's to, it's to monopolize um, and corner the market on whiteness. And not because even just whiteness, but the power that comes with whiteness. Well, whiteness is equated to power yeah. in a in a white supremacy, yeah, you know, yeah. world. And um, I think we should should specify that in an international sense, whiteness does not mean necessarily specifically just skin color, right? But it is like it is. There's many conditions to whiteness. It is. It's it's cultural. So it's anything that is not. How did how was whiteness defined by like? So it all started in uh, in terms of anti-Semitism yeah, yeah. and, and pushing Jews out of whiteness. Yeah. Um, as there was a surge of Jews in Europe, mm -hmm. um, where a lot of white people are. Mm -hmm. And so it started in French academia. Mm -hmm. And um, pretty much these academics were saying, we are Aryan Indo-Europeans. Mm -hmm. That's how they define themselves. Okay. Aryan Indo-Europeans. Mm -hmm. And these Semitic peoples, um, so obviously just, we're talking about Jews here. Mm -hmm. Um, are inherently uh, less than us. And they used, mm -hmm. you know, what is called uh, eugenics, mm -hmm. um, something very familiar to the black community and Jewish community, oh, yes. um, to almost legitimize hatred. Yeah. And so instead of saying, you know, focusing on the individual, mm -hmm. they focused on the people as a whole and the biological makeup of yeah, the person. Yeah. Because let's say, you know, a regular Joe Schmo, okay, who's Jewish, <laughs> mm -hmm. he could say, yeah, I'm Jewish, but I'm a good person, right? And I can change the way I act, and I can be a good Aryan Indo-European. Just like you, right? Right, 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 exactly. However, if we say it's a biological makeup, mm. there's no gray area, yeah. and there's no hope there's of maintaining no of whiteness, i.e. power. Yeah, right? yeah, there's no way of you moving into that space. Right. For sure. And just, just to be specific eugenics is defined as um the belief in the possibility of improving the quality of human species or population um specifically based on the genetic quality of a human right um and it has again racial and um cultural undertones that are obviously bigoted and right it's a tool science. a tool of white supremacy a tool of white supremacy um but going back to this michelin test real quick how has the the way that the Michelin test has been applied to the Jewish people, how has that, like, has that infiltrated the way that Jewish people see lineage, or is that 
was that completely discarded and that's not how Jews see themselves in terms of like not at all okay yeah, yeah. I mean I and I think that should also be like the Michelin test in any any sense should be disregarded because mm-hmm. um, it's just when we talk about experience mm-hmm. in the Jewish community the Michelin test has no bearing on experience yeah if my grandmother was Jewish or my mm-hmm. grandfather was Jewish um, it doesn't make me Jewish mm-hmm. Uh, if if I've only known a Christian life or yeah. a Muslim life or mm-hmm. anything like this, um, or you know, not even ethnic, uh, if I'm not even ethnically Jewish, mm-hmm. um, or any experience anything like that, mm-hmm. um, then I've really not had that experience, yeah. and I really would hesitate to call myself Jewish. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's different for everyone, right? Um, but you as a person, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. So how how is it? How is it decided, I guess? So it, it literally is just... Within the Jewish community? Yeah, yeah. I think mostly it's interpersonal. Okay. But I see this a lot, and I really dislike this, mm-hmm. and it, it gets on my shoulder. Is that a saying? It gets on my shoulder. <laughs> I have a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> okay. It gets on my nerves. It gets on your nerves, yeah. And my shoulders. Underneath your skin. Yes. Uh-huh. The nerves on my shoulder. Nerves on your shoulder, underneath your skin. Right. Underneath right. the chips on my skin. <laughs> um, where people say, oh, your mom's not Jewish how are you Jewish? Mm. And I'm like, now you're the Jewish scholar. Like, how'd you, where are you getting this information? And so many Orthodox Jews in the past mm-hmm. and some today mm-hmm. only recognize maternal Jewishness. So mm. it's passed down from your mother. Yeah. And the origin of that goes way back to like the olden days where medicine was like not a thing. And then, you know, the only way to know who you were is because, you know, you, you came, came out of your mother. Exactly, yeah. And so no one really knows, you know, you know, who conceived you. Mm-hmm. Um, Except the person who birthed you. Exactly. Right. And so that was the only way to determine if you're Jewish, hmm. was if you were birthed by a Jew. Mm. And so obviously nowadays it's totally different. Yeah, um, that's interesting. So anyways, please don't ever say that to anyone. <laughs> it just doesn't, I mean, yeah. paternal Jew- Jew- Jewishness is totally yeah. acceptable and should be accepted. Yeah. So... But a good question, Tani. Yeah, and I think that 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 it's interesting that these demographics have been changing. Some of them, some of the ways that we described ourselves as people weren't even. They weren't even. The way we wanted to describe ourselves as people, right? They were the way that oppressors described ourselves, right? Or us, right? And I think that that specifically in the black community, there's. When it comes to experience in the black community, um, that is a very new concept Mm -hmm. in terms of describing oneself. And before it was experience, a lot of it was the problematic ideas of, are you dark skin? Are you light skin? Right. Are you, uh, did you work out in the fields? Did you work in the house? And so historically, these ways of identification were rooted in oppression. Right. It was... I can define myself based on the detrimental ways in which I have been And my community oppressed. has been oppressed. Exactly, right. exactly. Um, but how, how has the Jewish community traditionally identified themselves, historically? Yeah, so at the beginning of, of Jewishness, <laughs> um, the idea of religion being separated from ethnic background was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that we, th- and, and, and what we think of as religion today is mostly stemmed from things like Christianity and Islam, where these are, you know, universalizing religions and, mm-hmm. and the idea of religion is 
very true and, and, and based off of those religions. Mm-hmm. However, when we talk about an ethnic um, kind of religion that isn't universalizing, mm-hmm. um, like Hinduism or um, Judaism, um, it was always just a religious group, right? And mm-hmm. so you're a different group of people, but it's based on religion because it's an ethnic group of people unified by religion. By religion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, throughout history, Jews have been labeled um, a racial group, and many Jews have tried to separate themselves from religion and separate themselves from kind of maybe their racial background and mm-hmm. just focused on religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's been totally fluid in the sense that it's just moved with whatever anti-Semitism targeted. Mm. And so if Jews were a race, then, you know, maybe we'd focus on religion. If it was mm-hmm. a religious tense that they were being discriminated against, mm-hmm. well, maybe we're just an ethnic group and we don't all follow that religion. Mm. Um, and so there's different aspects that are traded in yeah. um, with oppressive systems. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that both of the communities that we are a part of, right. define themselves early on in a way that was le- latched onto oppression. Right. Whether it was... Well, when we talk about communities of struggle, yeah. a lot of times our communities are reduced to trauma. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rooted in struggle, reduced to trauma. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Very well said. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I think, like, for the black community now, it's much more fluid, mm-hmm. um, just because there's been a lot of conversation about how acceptable it is to say someone is black enough right um and you had an amazing quote the other day what was that you said something about what whatever you experience is a black or jewish experience oh yeah so um go ahead okay okay (laughs) so i think what i was saying was many times we don't feel like we're Jewish enough because mm-hmm. maybe we didn't experience everything that a Jew should experience. We're supposed to, quote unquote. Right, exactly. Right. Whatever the outside world and people, even within our community, expect us to experience. experience maybe I don't know um, all the, the prayers. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know what Sukkot is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Um, oftentimes we minimize our experiences mm-hmm. oftentimes we minimize our identity mm-hmm. and ourselves in, in turn yeah however i would argue this mm-hmm. is my argument my thesis my master's thesis is that right? <laughs> your capstone <laughs> this is my capstone project um is that whatever you do mm. you know is jewish mm. right if you're jewish mm-hmm. right um whatever you do is your community yeah. right because you are your community yeah. and your community is, is you, you. And so if I go outside and I run a mile, mm-hmm. that was a Jewish mile. <laughs> you know? If I go outside and I play tennis, that was a Jewish game of tennis. <laughs> um, if I answer a question yeah. on a math test, Uh-oh. that was a Jewish answer. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. And so everything I do because I'm doing it because I'm myself, yeah. it's because I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. Because I am Jewish. And so every and extent yeah. of myself yeah. is an extent of my Jewishness. That's good. That's really good. So, and just by you being Jewish and living is your people living. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's really what being a diasporic person is all about. Right. Is that you experiencing the life that you're experiencing is you living a piece of the diaspora or you continuing the diaspora. And especially when we talk about enduring yeah. many times, like trauma and all these things, mm-hmm. like so many times, and like I said, sometimes our communities are reduced to trauma, mm-hmm. much like many other communities. Yeah. 
but it's so easy to unify under, under trauma. trauma. Right. I think there's a different conversation of being simplified to it mm-hmm. and unifying Living under, under it. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, which I think can be a really toxic thing. But exists. It definitely exists. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about kind of how it exists and maybe why it exists and yeah. how it takes form? Yeah, for sure. For I think for the black community in America, um, living under that trauma was a response to, well, I will say a lot of it was relinquishing your blackness. Mm-hmm. So trying to live in a way that separated you from trauma was you living without your identity. Right. So during like antebellum era, uh, America, it was black people relinquishing solidarity with other black people. Right. It was um, uh, slaves telling on runaway slaves. Right. Um, in, in an effort to, like we said, inch yourself closer to this this circle of, of a haven of, of you know security that white supremacy allows. Right. You tried to separate yourself from those who are being oppressed in your community. Right. And that continued, I think, especially during Jim Crow, people black people in America would, especially white passing black people, would try to remove themselves from their blackness. Um, and a lot of you know black community or black families that had enough money would move out of black communities in order to reach that level of white supremacy that, that, that they thought they could attain. Um, but yeah, this, this change that was very social, it was a reaction against the ways that white supremacy targeted black people. And so it was like a reaction to what were we talking about before. Um, well, we were we, talking resistance. about enduring systems. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So like the ways that people resisted specifically in the black community in America are very controversial. Right. And same within the Jewish community. Right. Yeah. And and I think that resistance in the in the sense of, of enduring is innately controversial because right. how can somebody resist? And that's not on the... I would argue it's not on the community or individual. For sure. That's on the system that created that pressure. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes when we're in these communities, we can get in these heated debates and say, you're a sellout or right, yeah. or you're you're crazy. I mean, yeah. you're, you're thinking of insane things to protect the people. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes we're, our aggression and disappointment and all these things are pointed at ourselves almost. Yeah. Because um, we are our community, our community is us. Mm-hmm. But they really should be focused on the people who put that on to us and the, and another thing we were talking about you know we are our community our families are our community right and so when it comes to specifically from the black perspective saving your family is saving your community right and it, if it's at the expense sometimes of, saving yourself is, is saving, saving your... and if it's at the expense of other people in your community sometimes that was the mindset of of people is that i have to resist even if others in my community can't resist with me right or if it's at the expense of of them right but but how is this how does this translate in a for a jewish perspective um talking about enduring systems yeah um a lot of times when we talk about the whole age-old debate of assimilation versus zionism and all these different things and what do you mean by assimilation versus zionism? so many jews thought we could just assimilate into societies mm-hmm. and carry on our jewishness and we just mm-hmm. have to endure anti-semitism mm-hmm. for a time being mm-hmm. um be well behaved mm-hmm. contribute to the society and will be accepted. Mm. And for a large part, that's actually worked. Mm. Um, specifically for white Jews. Mm. Um, white Jews in the U.S.? Uh, I would just say, yeah, white Jews in, white, in predominantly white countries. Okay. Um, 
And then there's Zionist Jews who obviously supported a Jewish state mm-hmm. and thought that was the way to protect Jews mm-hmm. um, and kind of uh, endure systems of, of oppression if we create our own system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and not live within another system. Yeah. And so both have found a lot of success, but we see that emerging today. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of Zionist Jews and assimilationist Jews. In that conversation. In that conversation, mm-hmm. right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, and Jewish holidays are focused on trauma. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot, a lot of things are focused on Jewish trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think how I've heard it growing up mm-hmm. um, and how I like to think of it is, like, survival more than, I guess suffering through mm. um so instead of talking about the actual trauma mm-hmm. talk about in spite of that trauma we are still here we are still here and yeah. surviving and thriving yeah right that's good so that's kind of the jewish my jewish perspective yeah yeah for sure um on that whole thing yeah all that stuff i think we should we should definitely do an episode on the difference between resistance and 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 like self-preservation so let us know yeah everyone if you're interested in an episode about resistance and how kind of resistance takes form yeah i'm currently writing a speech on that um but you never know you never know enduring systems of oppression versus resisting in it right we could talk about specific people we could talk about different dichotomies that happen yeah 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 i'm sure that would be really interesting the differences between the way the black community and the jewish community has resisted and then the similarities right we could talk about maybe pan-jewishness and pan-africanism and and all that kind of stuff yeah well we definitely do have an episode coming up about pan-africanism and pan-jewishness yes in terms of how people are unified but that's a different conversation for a different time a different time right very exciting um you know and as we said a lot of times it's very valid, whatever your kind of response to, you know, oppression is. Yeah. Um, I think you really can't fault people for doing a lot of things. You can't, yeah, what, you can't resist the way people in your community, or you can't fault the way people in your community resist. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's tough to do. That is very tough to do. Because, you know, they're like family in, in some senses. It is your family. It yeah. is your family. It's your community. community. So. Absolutely. But communities are so... It's not a monolith. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we're talking here to everyone, and we're not our community, you know what I mean? Like, we're not the spokesperson. People for our community. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So. That's, yeah. That's that's something that I definitely want to, like, reiterate is the fact that while our experiences are black experiences, our Jewish experiences, they right. are not the black experience, right. the Jewish experience. That's a really good point, because... Is there even, you know, right. the black yeah, experience or yeah. the Jewish experience? And that's something that's really interesting because a lot of a lot of talk now is about, especially with the, the resurgence, I, I don't want to say like creation because it's not creation, but the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, globally speaking, right. is people trying to dissect the black experience. Right. And it's like this, this is not a one-size-fits-all conversation. Mm. That the black experience in the U.S., is intrinsically different than the black experience in the UK. And same with uh, Jewish people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, e- and even especially the black experience in predominantly black countries. Mm-hmm. Because they're, the legacy of colonialism inserted into specifically West Africa by white supremacists is enduring. And it is still a conversation about the diaspora. Right. So right. that... Anyway, long story short, there's a lot of... Short story long. Long, <laughs> really long. long story long. Long story long. Um, there's 
you know, a lot of conversation to be had about uh, the ways that the black experience can be different. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say same with the, same with the Jews. <laughs> um, but uh, what is it, you know, for you, mm-hmm. you know, we know how you identify. Yep. But what does it mean for you, mm-hmm. Tony Washington, yeah. to be a part of your community and communities? Yeah. Um, I would say that being, being, specifically being a Nigerian person living in the States Mm -hmm. is a testament to the strong, courageous, amazing, tremendous, wonderful women who came before me, i.e. my mother and my grandmother, who just... The, the level of endurance that they had in coming to the States and living a life that I cannot actually fathom will will always be a driving force for me. Yeah. And anytime that I think of myself as, like, not African enough, I remember that they were considered too African right. to be here. Right. And so for me to think that I don't have a right to that lineage right is me accepting you know the the standards of of binary race that that white supremacy has constructed on in my mind right um and same with my blackness in this country you know growing up in spaces that were predominantly white predominantly uh male uh a lot of the time i thought that i wasn't black enough um but my dad had the same experiences, you know, growing or, or going to a university that was predominantly white. He, you know, was always told that he was too black. Right. And so I think from these two experiences that I've had of my mother and my father being too much of something mm-hmm. and then trying to instill in me that I am enough. Right. I, that, that is to me what it means to be an African and, and a black American living in this body, in this time, in this country. Right. Um, that was a lot, but that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. But um, what does it mean for you, Joey Joseph Everly, to be a member? Of well, I often think of Theodore Herzl. Uh oh. Um, who is a historical figure? Yeah. Um, the father, many people will say, of political Zionism, mm-hmm. but that's irrelevant. Um, in this conversation, mm-hmm. um, Theodore Herzl was Jewish, but he was never religiously Jewish and didn't really identify as ethnically Jewish. Mm-hmm. He grew up with a Christmas tree in his house. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just a regular Joe Schmo, mm-hmm. accepted by society, mm-hmm. but he saw what's going on around in the, in the, in the, in the international, you know, kind of, uh, sphere. Yeah. Um, and he saw Jews being killed, um, and, and you know, persecuted mm-hmm. and he reclaimed his Jewishness. Mm-hmm. I often think that, you know, I'm not Jewish enough mm-hmm. or I'm too Jewish. Yeah. And I realized that is just a tool of white supremacy. Yeah. Is to gaslight people yeah. into thinking, um, you know, uh, who they are. To isolate them. Mm-hmm. When you isolate someone yeah. and strip them from their identity, right? They have no power. This is Oftentimes. It. This is right? It. And so when you're stripped of everything, mm-hmm. right? You have nothing. This is it. Right? So I think it's so important yeah. to realize why you're having these thoughts. Yeah. Not just that, you know, what your thoughts are, yeah. but why you're having them. Yeah. Because oftentimes, you shouldn't be having those thoughts. 
Um, not that you shouldn't, but that you don't have to. Right. I don't. I don't think a Jew out there should be questioning, "Am I Jewish enough?" Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, growing up in a very, a very Jewish space, I often thought I wasn't Jewish enough. Mm-hmm. And people knew way more Hebrew than I did, <laughs> and you know they wore kippahs and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I just thought I wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I thought I was a failure to my people. Mm. Um, you know, and they wouldn't accept me. Mm-hmm. And then moving to places where there was no Jews to be seen. Um, not that you can spot Jews. I'm just I mean, but, you know, I'd always ask around and say, you know, anyways. Uh, but, but um, in a place where there wasn't many Jews, um, it's so easy to become a caricature yeah. of what they want you to be. This is it. And you're told by these people who are not a part of your community you're too, or you're not enough, or yeah. you're not what I expect you to be. This is it. And so, uh, get ready, everyone, because we're coming out with an episode Woo! on stereotypes, Uh-oh. which is our episode two. How do you say in French? Do. Do. Yeah. Anyways. Caricatures. Caricature. Um, and so, you find yourself becoming something that your community isn't. Yeah. Right? And rather what people outside of your community want your community to be. Or, or just think because they don't know anything else. Right. That, that's yeah. often the case. Um, so I'm not Amish. <laughs> um, is, that a, is that a thought? I don't know. What, what was the girl the other day? She said, oh, you have to leave your family or something like oh! that? Um, anyways. Um, the stereotypes are very real. No. Um, but I, I, I want to thank everyone who's come before me. Um, what, you know, all the, all the Jews who survived. Oh, yeah. And, uh, allowed me to be Joey, which is being Jewish. Yeah. Um, there's often the saying that it took a lot of Jews without trembling knees to be here. Mm. And I am no Jew with trembling knees. Mm. And so, um, thanks everyone for listening. That's good. Um, and thanks to all of my people who survived Mm. in spite of, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, that's no small task. And to everyone out there, it's no small task to be yourself. Yeah. You know? You, I heard this quote, I'm not, I'm not going to say it correctly. That's okay. But it was something along the lines of, you are an ancestral survivor. Mm. Like waking up every day and realizing that it took so many people for you to be here. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not, the fact that you're here living in this diaspora of people who have been persecuted is not an accident. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you living in a specific time, a specific place doesn't make you any less or any more of. A member of your of your diaspora. Everyone, let us know if we should become like life coaches, anything like that. I'm feeling very much like a life coach right now. Um, a little tear has escaped, and then uh, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, yeah. Stay, episode two, we'll get there. episode two. I'll I'll start breaking down. I'll start crying. We'll open it up, and I'll cry. We're waiting for it. We'll be waiting. Okay, for it. all right. Um, but apart from words of encouragement. How can these people better encourage themselves without suffering through this podcast, <laughs> listening to all my grammar mistakes? Um, Any music, clip, phrase, book, film, yeah, podcast, yeah. Instagram account, etc. Yeah. So this is a little segment at the end of the podcast that we're excited about doing, which is our recommended reading. It's not always going to be reading. Um, sometimes it's going to be a, a film, maybe another podcast. Yeah, I don't read a lot, so. Instagram. You said what? What? <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. I read all the time. Um, Tani is literally Shakespeare. I 
did Shakespeare read or he just wrote? I he just wrote. He just wrote, yeah. Um, but I was right. Oh, there she's a writer. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe Instagram accounts too, because you know that's a way of spreading yeah, information. Yeah. Um, but my recommended reading for today's episode is a book by Yajasi, and it is called Homegoing. This book uh, was very, very popular a few years ago. Um, a friend of mine gave it to me uh, last year, and uh, it's basically about a woman who, or it's a, it's a story of two half-sisters, one who is sold into slavery and one who stays in, uh, I'm, I hope it's Ghana. I think it's Ghana. Um, and it just follows... I'm pretty sure it is. I, yeah, yeah. It just follows the story of those two sisters and it, it, it just mimics the story of uh, the two diasporas, the two main diasporas of, of the African peoples yeah. um, into the black American diaspora and maintaining the uh, African diaspora. Um, it is the most beautiful book I've it's ever read book. in my whole life. It, it is like the time frame is so seamless um, and her words are poetry. So I completely recommend it. It's Y-A-A-G-Y-A-S-I is her name. And the book is called Homegoing. Thanks, Joey, Sonny. Um, you're welcome. Do you have any I have this book Uh-oh. that I have not read, surprisingly. Um, okay. I guess unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> to all my English teachers. Um, Shakespeare. Right. I am not Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare was an anti-Semite. Wow. Yeah. We'll get into... Will we? Shakespeare. We'll have an episode on Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, keep that in the notes. Um... Okay. Anyways, it is called uh, Jewish Pride, mm-hmm. Rebuilding a People. Mm-hmm. Um, it is by Ben uh, Friedman, and uh, he pretty much writes about how we should reclaim our identity. Mm-hmm. Many times, especially in America, yeah. Jews are like so like detached from Jewishness, mm-hmm. or there's such an effort to detach from Jewishness, mm-hmm. and like that's kind of like a shtick. Is like, oh, I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no there's no need. You know, reclaim it. Reclaim it. If you want, you know. Right. There's no, I'm not pressuring anybody. Right. You know, on your own time. Um, an Instagram account. Wow. Instagram is so... Wait, what was this book about? Oh, no, it's just about reclaiming your identity. Okay. And, like, how we should, we are a strong people and we should, we should be so proud. That's good. It's called the Jewish pride. It's called Jewish pride. So, have pride in being Jewish. Um, any hoodle. Yeah. Uh, an Instagram account maybe to follow is Jewish Perspective. Okay. She offers a lot of great insights. She's so well-informed um, on Jewish matters. Um, and also, I would recommend Roots Metal. Um, she's also at another Instagram account. She also has a jewelry store. Oh, I love that. Um, made out of metal things, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that would only make sense. Right, right. <laughs> right. Um, but she's amazing. Um, so That's good. That, that's my little suggestion. Yeah, well, that's um, good. So. He had more than I did. Maybe I'm gonna come with like four. I, I had like four next time. No, I only had two Instagram accounts and and one book and that I haven't one read. Song and three. Oh yeah, this yeah. song. <laughs> Be who you. No, no, right, no, sorry, no. sorry. <laughs> um, you're gonna get used to our memes. Uh, just memes randomly throughout the show. But um, that's it for today's episode. Right. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our memes. No, we hope you enjoyed the show. Um, special thanks to the Global Learning Forum and International Affairs Office. Of Huge Western thanks. Kentucky, yep, Western Kentucky University for helping us make this happen. Um, could not have done it without their support. Not at all. Yeah. But thanks to our friends for yeah. supporting us. Yeah, honestly. You know, um, everyone out there. The backbone of our 
uh, excitement for this. Thanks podcast. to my family. Yeah. Who hopefully never sees this. Oh my goodness. So embarrassing. Thanks uh, to my mom who's already shared it all over Facebook. Yeah, right. It is Facebook. It is. You're going to open Facebook and it's going to be Mark Zuckerberg is listening to <laughs> Diasporic. Um, but yeah, before you go, yeah. make sure to subscribe, please, yeah. to Diasporic on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Soon to be yet. YouTube. Um, or, you know, wherever you listen. Yeah. And don't forget to share this podcast. Our Instagram is at diasporic.podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Very exciting. Created by yours truly. <laughs> yours truly. And stay tuned for next month's episode where we discuss stereotyping. It's exciting. Oh my gosh. Um, the history of stereotypes and the widespread implications of simplifying an entire body of people. That's a big no-no. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then, thanks so much for listening. See you soon.